Hello, listeners, and welcome to Sinister Soup, the podcast where my brother and I discuss all manner of geeky things, argue about movies, introduce you to some culture, and drink beer. Mm-hmm. I am younger brother, Travis Vermolum. And I am superior brother, Clay Vermolum. And we just want to welcome you to the show today. So, Clay, what are we talking about today? We're going to do our Bring Some Culture segment. We shine a light on all kinds of different aspects of culture that we find interesting and, and the people that are making them happen in this segment so uh right. so travis what do you got for bring some culture this week all right this week for bring some culture um i stumbled upon this woman on tiktok um which i know you haven't downloaded but i have definitely fallen completely into the trappings of tiktok um and she is called Sun Earth Moon Art is her page. Um, her name is Kelsey Voss. And I really appreciated what she did because she does these really cool, um, like, I don't even know how to define it. I'm not good at defining art, but she does these really cool artistic takes on all the national parks. Mm. And so she's just drawing the national parks i don't know they're the ones she's visited or if she just finds like beautiful pictures of them and puts them to paper um and she sells the portraits and five percent of her sales go towards pancreatic cancer research i just think her art is amazing and i think that it's always an amazing thing when an artist takes the little amount of funds that they get and sends it out to a cause they find worthy um so yeah, Kelsey Voss, Sun, Earth, Moon, Art is my some culture this week. Uh, it's crazy that you chose an artist uh, page on a social media account because I was going to do the same thing this week. All right. Um, I wanted to talk about Art of Makenda. Makenda? I'm not sure how to uh, properly pronounce it, quite frankly. Um, but it's art of M A Q U E N D A. Okay. Um, her name is Micah Hackart. She's a artist from the Netherlands, and she does amazing work with. Uh, most of it's like centered around being, and uh, they're the characters are often like wolves or canines, foxes. Uh, stuff like that um, but her work is just extremely amazingly well done um, and she's always putting out new stuff uh, she does videos of herself drawing which is really cool uh, to see it come to life in front of you on the screen you know um, and she's also uh, very awesome to her like followers and uh, her fan base I reached out to her to do like a book cover and she was extremely easy to work with, uh, affordable, and the product that she came out with was uh, just amazing. Um, oh, is that, the, is that the like hounds gnawing through the rib cage? Yeah, it's uh, the cover for Bad Spirits. That is one of the coolest like covers I've seen. Isn't that so cool? Oh, it was amazing. It's awesome, yeah. Um, so if you wanna see that, artwork uh a cover for one of my new stories that's coming out eventually 
was done by this artist, Art of Makanda, and you can see it at my website. Uh, it's in the fiction section. It's the second book down. If you just scroll down in the fiction section, that's clavermullenfiction.com if you didn't know that. And you should definitely go to Instagram, find Art of Makanda, and follow her because she's always putting out awesome stuff. She has lots of cool merch. Um, and she's, uh, yeah, just a really awesome person. Very easy to talk to and work with. So, yeah, that's my Bring Some Culture. Awesome artist that I found. Well, we will now move on to our next segment now that we've brought you some culture. And the next segment is a movie debate. But not always movies. So, today we are bringing you a book debate. Both Clay and I are avid readers. Um, as well as movie watchers, and we have decided that we want to mix in some literature into our arguments as well. Um, and this week, we selected a horror novel suggested by Clay. Bad Spirits um, by me. Not <laughs> I'm just kidding. We will never do by that. <laughs> no. We will never do we, that. We uh, selected The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. Mm -hmm. uh, Clay, you were the one that brought this forward. So, as always, we're going to roll a d20, and we're going to see who has the highest roll. The highest roll has to argue for the book, and the low roll has to argue devil's advocate against the book. Or maybe not devil's advocate. Maybe we really don't like it. All right, you ready? Mm -hmm. Roll that d20. Fifteen. Two. <laughs> you lose. You lose every time. I know. I'm really. I don't roll. Are you well rolling bluey? No, that was purple, man. This is the curse of the DM. I'm a forever DM, so I roll bad. Yeah. As you should. It's just what happens. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, how about uh, arguing for goes first? I'll start the timer. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Go. To preface my argument for this book, I'll use the way the book prefaces itself. Uh, that prologue in the Only Good Indians is one of the most like uh, is one of the most reader grabbing prologues that I've ever read in any novel at all. Um, as soon as I read that, I knew a few things about the author and about the story that we're gonna allow me to read this book because it's always a little, it's always hard to read a book that takes place where you're from. Um, and I was like, mm. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Most authors don't know what Browning Montana is like, you know? And I, <laughs> I, I highly doubt that this guy does, uh, you know, cause I just haven't had a lot of good experiences with that. Um, so I read that prologue and like the way the character talks, the character's name being like Boss Boss Cap Ribs. I was like, that's an actual Blackfoot name, like. Um, mm -hmm. And the way he described the characters, the way he described the the world um, that he that that character lived in, and where he was going and how he was doing it. I was like, yes, this author definitely knows what's up with like. Uh, that highline lifestyle and the the types of people that are bred by that landscape. Um, you know, it's it's where we grew up. 
and it felt like yeah, yeah. it felt like he had definitely been there you know <laughs> like yeah. he definitely has been to that brownie gas station and he definitely knows where the best chicken strips in america are that's <laughs> <laughs> that's where they are my dude um yeah yeah and <laughs> Uh, yeah, those spicy, spicy chicken strips in the Browning gas station, if you ever have uh, any reason to go to Town Pump in Browning, Montana, you gotta, you gotta treat yourself. Just like you should treat <laughs> yourself to this amazing story by Stephen Graham Jones. I got lots of other things to say, but that's gonna be opening arguments for me. All right, um... I want to address that sort of his prologue. I, I was grabbed. I was grabbed for those same reasons, but I was also almost pushed away simultaneously because I thought he was going for almost like a Faulkner thing. Um, and as I lay dying, speaking in the colloquialism, like writing in the, the way that the character was going to speak, but it kind of jarred me a little in the beginning. I didn't like reading it. It wasn't as readable as I would have liked. Um, that was my first sort of critique here. Um, and then the second was, uh, he fell into a trope, I feel like, that oftentimes Stephen King falls into. Um, I like a lot of Stephen King's work, but sometimes when I'm reading Stephen King, something will happen in the book, and I'm like, that was gratuity for gratuity's sake. Mm. It, I, like, I felt like there were a few moments, um, especially around some of the female characters that, um, which, I mean, spoilers, it's not anything, like, involving, like, their, like, sexual nature. It's just sort of deaths. Some of the deaths, I definitely thought, like, did that person really have to suffer that much, like, for this story to have impact? Like, I felt like it already had impact, and then it was just, like... I want to have some fun, almost Eli Roth style. And that jarred me. And then my third kind of critique, which is definitely my weakest and stupidest, but um, <laughs> as much as he knows about the area, cup bank is two words. <laughs> okay. Cup bank is two it words is. and the B is capitalized. And I don't know, like, he don't, he clearly knows the area. I don't know if he was purposely misspelling it to, like, insult Cup bank or if he just didn't care. <laughs> like, that, I was like, come on, man. Like, you obviously have been to the High Line. Why, why are you misspelling Cup bank? I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. I hear you. I will say this, though. I have read other Stephen Graham Jones books. And it's also kind of the way he writes. It's definitely his voice. Um, and I like that because I felt like, again, I feel like whenever it's ironic that if a writer tries to write about something that's close to you, the closer you are to it, the further away that author is going to feel like he is to you or she is to you, unless they know what they're talking about. True. Yeah. Um, and I felt like the way he wrote the story, um, I felt like I was talking to somebody who'd been there. And then that was, uh, that effect was doubled because he, he gave you the evidence to know that he, he does know a little bit about this place, you know? Um, which is an uncommon thing, that an author is actually able to do that.
And in terms of the gratuitous aspect of things, yeah, I mean, I think that was kind of the whole point. Like, this is a this is a maleficent, vengeful spirit um, that suffered so terribly at the, uh, you know, at the hands of him, at the hands of Lewis and and Ricky and everybody else in the story. Um, and its whole mission is to bring that same level of suffering to them, to the perpetrators who massacred uh, all those elk, you know? And I think... Yeah, yeah. And I think in a lot of ways that kind of represents kind of like the attitude, like the rampant defeatist attitude um, that is uh, unfortunately sometimes prevalent in those uh, hyper-oppressed areas like the reservation, mm. you know? And, you know, I'm not saying everybody has that attitude or anything, but it kind of goes back to, again, how the story starts when, when Ricky's talking about his brother who overdosed watching the camera that just watches the IGA parking lot. And he's like, it just was a sick reminder of how nothing the res is, you know? It's like some people mm -hmm. do have to deal with that attitude, but that attitude is a result of what put Native Americans on the reservation in the first place, which was slaughter and degradation and depression mm -hmm. at the hands of a and I think, vast, uh, a superior military, you know? I think um, my gripe isn't that, that, that it was gratuitous. I think, like, what I think I saw is, again, some the same thing I sometimes see in Stephen King, is that he takes you to that dark, dark, awful, drag-you-down place and makes you, like, hurt and makes you feel and gets his point across, but then for some reason takes you, like, a little further, mm -hmm. you know, like, a step further into that depth. And, like, I was fine. Like, I was feeling it. I was getting the message where I was, and you you just wanted to drag me down a little more and that's like jarring to me um yeah so i don't i don't think stephen graham jones like gratuity and the violence that he portrayed was bad i think that the story obviously the spirit needed to be ruthless for all the reasons you just stated but there was a point where i think a lot of the violence happened where it was like it stopped being the spirit and it started just being the author <laughs> and like I, as a reader, was like, ooh, like, why did we have to go a step further? I don't know. Hmm. Like, like when, for example? Like the, like the Lewis example, like, he, when he kills, uh, Sheena, Sheena? Shaney, um, with the motorcycle, like, that was rough. That was <laughs> Lewis completely losing his mind. That was Lewis, like, breaking down and, like, the spirit driving him to murder, and then immediately after, you just get this sequence of Lewis's wife, like, falling off a ladder and, like, cracking her skull open. And you get the description of the crunch. And I was like, oh, man, like, he could have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. Be of the week! <laughs> what a note to end what are you bringing to the table today? What was that? What are you bringing to yeah, the table I got, today? Uh, I got the Talking Cedars Kolsch. 
taking okay. a break from the IPA quest, fruitless as it's been. Uh, okay. Yeah. Talking Cedars is a... Where are they from here? Uh, they're a brewery. They're from somewhere. Um, <laughs> here we go. All right. I am bringing um, Von Trapp Brewings, Vienna, Australian Lager. Uh, it's from Stowe, Vermont. Their tagline is a little of Austria, a lot of Vermont. <laughs> and they also have another tagline by the family that inspired the sound of music. Dope. So, yeah, let's see if it's any good. I, I found out where Talking Cedars is from. Get this. Where's it's it from? from the Chihalis Native American Reservation in Washington. Hey! Yeah. Yeah, look at that. So, uh, yeah, Talking Cedars is it's a reservation beer from Washington. We're going to try it out. How fitting. What a fitting episode for this. And I did not plan this. I just grabbed this beer randomly. No. Yeah. Easy drinker. Tasty. I could definitely slug down a 12-pack of these puppies. Uh, mine is also good. Uh, it's still too light for my taste. It's a lager. But I'm excited now because I I bought a variety pack and in my fridge for after this recording, I have their dark ale. And if their Australian lager is this good, Austrian lager, then their dark ale is going to be delicious. Uh, I think it has a lot of flavor. It's not too powerful, though, not overpowering in the hops. All right. Uh, check out Von Trapp Brewing and... Yeah. Oh, you were... You were queuing me? <laughs> I was. Uh, I was <laughs> yeah. Check out that brewery he said, and then also check out Talking Cedar. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Now, um, I must say, I take back almost everything I said except the cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. What the hell, Stephen Graham Jones? You're going to do all yeah, this research like, and think... then you're not even going to know about cupping? No, but you see, I think I think that was the point. I honestly think he was almost digging at mm. cupping. There's a little rivalry between Browning and cupping, and I think maybe that was like a, I'm not even going to spell your name right. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, yeah I like that. I, hope so I, like, I like to think that in Browning, they don't capitalize the B. It's all <laughs> and they one put word. it all as one word. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I really enjoyed the book, and my one, my main critique was pretty much a lie. I think exactly for the reasons you said. Like, I think he did exactly what I criticized. He did like take you a step mm. further down, but I liked it. I like got to that point where I was like, I don't want any more. And then it was always like one more thing, and I was like, Oh, this is just you know, like this mm -hmm. is getting me. Um, so my main critique, though true, isn't actually a critique. I think it was one of the best parts mm -hmm. of the book. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, I thought he did an excellent job of that because, I mean, that's what, like, Westward Expansion was like <laughs> for, like, the Native American people, you know? Yeah, they did one terrible thing and then just took it even further and further and further and just yeah i mean it was literally like all right we're good here we we just wanted ohio we've got ohio 
you guys are good over there. And then a couple years later, it's like, so we made a deal with the French, and we're coming. We're, <laughs> we're yep. gonna, uh, what a terrible, terrible situation. And that's, I don't think that, you know, I think that's always a part, it's always going to be by necessity sort of a part of any story involving Native Americans. But I really liked how Stephen Graham Jones put us in the mind of like the modern Native American, how they actually feel about it. That was my favorite mm-hmm. thing. Like he he poked fun at it a lot, at that idea, you know, um, that mm-hmm. that everybody on the reservation is still living like a hundred years ago. Unfortunately, how people act uh, towards them a lot of the time, you know. Like, that's a time that they'll never forget. It's something they'll, a part of their history, the darkest part, that's never going to be not part of who they are now, you know? But it's like, it's also not all that they ever think about today because they're in the modern world too. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. I thought he did a great job of that because society around them also forces them into that. Just like, uh, mm-hmm. that's one of the first things that Ricky says. He's like, um, as the only Indian, my name was Chief, you know, on the drilling yeah, crew. Yeah. But I know full well that, like, if in the bow and arrow days, I wouldn't have been a Chief. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. I would have been like, I wouldn't have even been the guy that runs away from the buffalo. Yeah. I think it tackled, like, a lot of themes. Because, I mean, even the very much more blatant theme of, like, respect through mm-hmm. hunting. That was good. Um which is something I think is a conversation a lot of people don't like like to have sometimes is that like there's there is a very firm line between good hunting and bad hunting and like it all just comes down to like respect for the animal Mm -hmm. and like if you're going to like use the animal and if you aren't gonna waste it and also like if you did it in a respectful way hunting um I really like Mm -hmm. that theme there's just a lot wrapped up in the sort of vengeance of the El Kedar woman. I, I, the other thing that I really enjoyed is it was your first point. Um, I've now read maybe two books that made me just euphorically transported back home. And that was, and I think it's a big thing to say that this is the only of the two that's mm-hmm. fiction. I read uh, This House of Sky. Which is another, which is an actual like nonfiction account of a sheep herder um, in Montana. And reading that book, I felt the same feelings mm-hmm. reading this book. Little things being mentioned that I was like, "Oh man, that that's like, a, yeah, I've been there." <laughs> like, you know, um, or like, yeah, that is how that looks. Or um, when they described the weather, I was like, yeah, I can feel that cold in my bones because I've actually, it wasn't trying to imagine that cold. It was like, no, I've been in that cold. I've like, I understand how painful like the lead character is feeling right now because I, I know exactly where you are. And that was just a cool, cool immersive totally. experience. Yeah, you feel like, I felt like you did a great job with the language. And the dialogue, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like I'm talking to somebody from back home. Like, any conversation in that book could be had in the Pioneer Bar. Yeah, 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 the den, mm-hmm. anywhere, any of mm-hmm. them. You hear it every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, if you're looking for a great story about um, really fun, uh, relatable characters, uh, you'll feel like you're right alongside them for the adventure in this book. It's it's really good at doing that. You feel like you're in the same room as these events that are happening, and and sometimes you wish you weren't in that room. <laughs> Um, but it yes. is a fantastic book uh, by a fantastic author, Stephen Graham Jones. The book is The Only Good Indians, and it won tons of awards, uh, including uh, Best Book of the Year at several places, and it was uh, one of the top-selling 10 books in the country. So definitely worth a read, The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. So uh, next week, what are we, what are we debating next week? We are debating a movie I know both you and I have watched several times. I will not give away what we think of it yet, but uh, Cabin in the Woods, a horror comedy satire, bunch of different things rolled into one. Um, Cabin in the Woods, it was pretty popular when it first came out, but it's kind of declined in popularity. Was it popular when it first came out? Uh, I feel like it was kind of a cult. Yeah, you might be right. It might have been like Mm -hmm. a cult classic but anyway it's uh yeah we'll give you our opinions on that and see who gets to argue for and against probably me against probably that's been the trend (laughs) all right well with that we are gonna start signing off here thank you for listening to sinister soup this week um please follow us on our social media accounts you can find me uh on twitter and instagram i'm at clay vermolum fiction and then you can find me on LinkedIn if you got LinkedIn. I'm just Clay Vermolum on there. And you can follow me on Instagram at tvermolumog. Um, and I really don't have any other social media platforms. What? So follow me on Instagram. <laughs> Do it. Thank you for <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to Sinister Soup. See you next week.